Welcome to Intuitive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Kirsten Ackerman, the Intuitive RD. I'm a non-diet registered dietitian and intuitive eating coach. My mission is to help women recover from diet culture and heal their relationship to food and body. Follow along as I speak with leading professionals in the field and explore concepts of intuitive eating, health at every size, and body liberation. This episode of Intuitive Bites is brought to you by my Food and Body Peace program. If you're ready to leave behind food obsession and body image struggles and just get unstuck and moving towards a place of freedom, this program is designed to allow me to support you through this process. Do not delay. Go ahead over to the, the link in my bio on Instagram. It's at the intuitive underscore RD. Click the first link. You'll be able to watch my program video and answer a few questions to submit your application. And then I'll reach out. We'll have a conversation and figure out which level of the program is going to be the best fit for you. If you're looking primarily for the community and a group coaching atmosphere. I have a level of the program for you. If you're looking for both the community, but also you really want my highest level of one-on-one support, um, I also have a level of the program that will serve you. So get your application in now. Like I said, click the link in my bio on Instagram, submit the application, and I will reach out and talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Hey guys, welcome to episode 112 of Intuitive Bites. I have kind of a special episode for you today because I'm actually sharing audio from an interview I did on another podcast, um, which is the Joyful Movement podcast with Kim Hagel. Kim was on this podcast last week, so you, you guys are familiar with her. So she is interviewing me on her podcast in this audio on sugar and how it's been demonized and how we can heal our relationship with sugar um, and our behaviors around sugar. So I think you guys are going to love this episode. Definitely a little bit of a different take here. Um, Before we dive into that, just a reminder, if you've been listening to my podcast and getting a lot out of it, and you haven't already left a rating or review over on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate that. It helps the podcast get out to more people, um, which of course is is what I'm going for here. Um, So thanks so much for taking a moment to do that. And yeah, with that, let's go ahead and listen into my conversation with Kim. Hey, Kirsten, welcome to the Joyful Movement Show. I'm so excited to have you here today. Hi, Kim. I'm very happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Well, I am really, really looking forward to digging into this topic today, all about carbs and sugar. But before we do that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do? Yes. So I am a registered dietitian and a certified intuitive eating counselor. I've been doing intuitive eating work for the past five years or so, um, and have been a dietitian, gosh, I think for like seven ish years. So it wasn't too long um, into working in the field that I learned about intuitive eating and health at every size and kind of decided this was my calling (laughs) in the field. Um, and yeah, I kind of found my path to doing this work through my own disordered eating struggles. Certainly we're going to get into the topic of sugar and carbs today, but I had, you know, a lot of my own fears and, uh, about that and the thoughts about like, Oh, I can't control myself around this. And, you know, that was just kind of one aspect of my journey, but, Um, Yeah. So when I kind of found this work, I was like, oh my gosh, like this is 
personally so healing and freeing and amazing and professionally like it totally like shifted my gears so I'm just really happy to be doing this work now it's so interesting I think many of us in the health and wellness field enter into our profession because of our disordered habits, right? Thinking that if we can just get enough education and really learn and figure this out, that maybe, you know, it will finally get it right and know what we're doing. Totally. And it becomes a passion. I mean, I, I think about with my story, like, you know, it really, I started struggling in, you know, kind of high school. I mean, you could say earlier even, but like late high school and when it came time for me to decide what I was going to do in college, like I, all I knew was that I was, obsessed quote unquote with food like I didn't know it like logically but like food was my hobby like (laughs) controlling food and controlling my body were my hobby so (laughs) it was just like an obvious thing I was like oh this is my calling obviously I saw it in a positive light kind of at that time but in retrospect I'm like oh that makes sense I went down this path because I didn't have space for other interests and hobbies that you know my peers were (laughs) had time for It's so true. So true. I mean, my story is similar to how I ended up in personal training. Right. So yeah, it's it's just, I I always love to hear these stories and uh, know that we're not alone. (laughs) Yes, it is good to hear. It's comforting. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So the big reason I invited you on today is that uh, in my work as a personal trainer, you know, people are always asking questions about food and that too. And Knowing that I practice intuitive eating, I coach on intuitive eating, women have lots of questions, but there's like a real sticking point. People have a lot of beliefs around carbohydrates and sugar, especially they're seen as like this big, hairy, scary monster and it's labeled unhealthy and it's going to cause you to gain weight and it's like addictive. It may as well be crack cocaine. So yeah. Can we start there? Can we start about talking where this fear of carbs and particularly sugar comes from? Yes. I mean, it's interesting because as I was looking over your questions ahead of time, I was thinking about how, you know, I mean, I wasn't necessarily present in, in, you know, participating in diet culture at this time, but a couple decades back, a few decades back, the conversation would have been all about fat. Right. So I think, Yeah, I I think it's interesting to point out that these are kind of trends and like, it's not like sugar has always been this big, scary, terrible monster. At one time it was fat and in the future, maybe we'll go back. Who knows? Who knows what will happen? But like, there's something to be said for the fact that these fads happen in marketing. And I mean, certainly diet culture just being the way it is like it diet culture thrives on having you believe that you're out of control with whatever and you need a plan to save you from feeling out of control with those foods. I think sugar in particular is an interesting one because the reason that a lot of folks feel so out of control with it, I know we'll we'll continue to talk about this today, but is because we're living in a state of deprivation mentally and physically with food. And when our bodies feel mentally and especially physically, but both mentally and physically deprived of food, the thing that will feel the safest is quick energy, quick, easily digestible energy. And the quickest, easiest digestible energy is simple carbohydrates. So that would be your very sugary type things. So I think that that's why it's become this very big thing. Cause it's like, people are like, Oh my gosh, I'm feeling creative, you know, chaotic around sugar. And I really do eat it in a way that doesn't feel good. And that could, it can't be good for me. And all these things that, you know, we'll get further into. And 
it really is a symptom of being deprived mentally and physically from food. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that I, I just, an example popped into my head of that. I think I mentioned it actually on a recent podcast um, about how when we feel deprived, like that the safest form of sugar is like the, or the safest thing feels like the easiest digestive form of carbohydrates. And, um, I witnessed that in our household a little while ago, my (laughs) daughter plays soccer and she had come home from a pretty intense soccer practice one day. And like, I could see she was, she was like shaking. Like you could tell she was just so depleted, right? She had worked so hard and she was looking in the fridge for something and there was all kinds of stuff in there that she could have chose. Right. But there was also a bag of sour patch kids on the counter. Uh-huh. <laughs> she closed the fridge and she grabbed those sour patch kids and she shoved a bunch in her mouth. And then I just saw her body relax. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was like, wow. It was just yeah. it really illustrated like how she sought out what she needed in that moment. Exactly. And I love that so much. And I love this kind of reframe around this conversation, because I think there can be a lot of fear around, oh my gosh, I'm reaching for the really, you know, sugary things all the time. And I think looking at it as your body needs that for some reason, right? Like your body, it's information. Your body is really, really in need of that. Are there things we can do if we feel like, you know, seven times a day, we're turning to these really highly you know, sweet things or whatever in a way that's not feeling good for us. Yes, there are things that we can do to maybe better meet our needs. But I think also having that peacefulness around, okay, my body is working for me. And there's a reason that that is what it needs in this moment. I don't need to distract it. I don't need to pick a quote unquote healthier snack or find a something else that'll like try to satisfy that need. Like that is what your body needs in that moment. So what can we do to better support your body in the future? Um, And also just make peace with that. Sometimes the Sour Patch Kids are going to be exactly what your body needs to recover from that intense workout. And that's awesome. Yeah. But let's unpack that a little bit. How, because when you kept saying how that might be what your body needs in that moment and like, give yourself permission to do that. Like, I think a lot of us wouldn't give ourselves permission to do that because we're taught that sugar is essentially poison. Like, how could you possibly ever actually need that in your body when it is so bad for you? Like sugar Mm. is basically blamed to be the source of everything wrong with everybody, right? Like from the common cold to inflammation, to cancer, to diabetes and high blood pressure and all of it, sugar is the thing that's like blamed for it all. Yeah. It's kind of wild. I mean, it's, it's the fear mongering around, around sugar. And I think the important thing for me in terms of considering it, I mean, I think there's so many different avenues we could talk, talk about here, but the important thing for me to consider is like, what is your, what is the impact of your relationship with sugar? Mm. Right. So when somebody says a blanket statement of like, sugar is bad, sugar is poison. I should avoid sugar. If I never have sugar, like that's going to be the best possible thing. It's like, what is the impact of that belief? For a lot of the clients I work with, and certainly for myself in the past, the impact of that belief was periods of time of not eating sugar, but thinking a lot about sugar and periods of time of binging on sugary things. Um, So what would be the impact of a more peaceful, neutral relationship with sugar? Well, I'm going to eat it in a way that serves me and feels good. And it's going to be naturally, I hate to say the word balance, but it's going to naturally end up being that without you having to control and manipulate and like Mm -hmm. cause it to be balanced. If you know what I mean? Like intentionally making it balanced. Yeah. hundred percent. And then can you elaborate a little, like, what does the science actually say about all this? Is sugar really that bad for us or is this just been blown way out of proportion? Yeah, definitely has been blown way out of proportion. I 
I know like a lot of um, intuitive eating dietitians, like kind of in the diabetes field, talk a lot about how like sugar doesn't like the, the perception is right. Like sugar and eating sugar causes diabetes, but that's not actually the case, right? Let's just use that small example of the ways that this fear mongering has gone completely out of proportion, completely out of control. It's really that you know, there's something going on in the background that's causing maybe, a, and like when you're, when diabetes is developing, you're going to be drawn towards those really quick, high energy, high, you know, sugary type things. So then it becomes, we think, oh, it's eating all of those sugary, sweet things that's causing the diabetes, but really it's the other way around. It's the diabetes that's causing chaotic behavior around these things. And then the mindset around, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be eating these things. I should be cutting them out. I should be avoiding them. Cause that's literally what folks with diabetes, you know, sometimes the recommendation is causing even more chaos around the food than even what the disease state is pushing. So it becomes this like perfect storm um, for folks to really believe, oh my gosh, sugar is this terrible thing that I need to control myself around. Yeah. Yeah. So can you expand a little bit about on the, the, the process our body goes through to break down sugar, like give our folks some reassurance that our body can make good use of it. Yes. I mean, so, I mean, the things that come to mind for me are, you know, there's, if there are complex carbs, there are simple carbs, you know, the more complex carbs, essentially what that means is that it, your body has to, you know, take some more time to break it down versus something like Sour Patch Kids, which is going to be able to, again, give your body that quick energy because it's already like, you can think of it as already partially kind of like digested, which is great. It gives your body that quick energy. Um, (laughs) Insulin, you know, when we talk about diabetes, but I mean, everyone, we have, you know, insulin in our bodies. And that's what helps our body bring sugar into the cells and bring our, you know, blood sugar levels back to normal in folks with diabetes. They have issues with their insulin, but our bodies are meant to be able to, you know, digest and process um, sugar and do what it you know, do with it, what it needs to. So essentially when we eat those carbs, whether they're complex or simple, insulin gets produced in the right proportion. We make use of that sugar. We break it down and we go about our merry way. Exactly. Yes. Your body knows what to do. (laughs) Awesome. Great. And then is there any difference between, um, the natural sugars like maple syrup and honey or agave and table sugar? I know that everybody likes to say, well, just use the natural kinds and that's better for you. Your body doesn't know that it's agave. Your body just knows that it's the same molecules. Like it's the sugar, sugar, sugar. And like, that's totally fine. I was thinking about this too, as I saw your question there, because I was like, this is interesting because, you know, maybe there are less people out there finding themselves binging on agave versus other things, whatever. And I I really feel like that comes down to the mindset around Mm -hmm. it, you know, Mm -hmm. and in the relationship with it. Yeah. So I think that's the difference, but in terms of how your body's recognizing it, it's all the same. So it's more the forbidden fruit mentality that we have about white table sugar. Exactly. Mm. The forbidden fruit and, you know, this mindset that it's poisonous and bad and toxic and I should avoid it, you know, that whole, whole thing for sure. That's going to drive you to it more chaotically. Right. Which brings me back to one of the first things that you said, which is that, that it is the deprivation or the thoughts that it's bad and it's off limits and that we try to restrict ourselves from it. That creates the craving we have for it and the feeling of being out of control. Absolutely. I mean, it really does come back to that, that deprivation mindset and that whole cycle. And it's so 
pervasive because you see this cycle and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm acting chaotic around the, this chocolate or whatever, this cake. And it must be because I am inherently chaotic around chocolate or cake. Mm -hmm. But in reality, when we take the deprivation or restriction out, the behavior, you know, changes. And I think it's important to, to know, I don't know if I made this clear before that, like, again, it can be a mentality. I have a client I'm working with right now who, you know, has this fear around, you know, chocolate, whatever. And she's like, no, look, I've been giving myself full permission. I eat it all the time. I eat it when I wake up in the morning, I eat it throughout the day. I'm eating it way too much you know, this kind of perception, but she has this mindset of, I shouldn't be doing this. I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm so chaotic around this chocolate. What's wrong with me? Like, and that mindset is deprivation and restriction. Yes. Even though she's eating it, she's judging herself and calling herself bad and like placing those mental limits on herself. Exactly. Yeah. And you're raw, you know, you're depriving yourself of the experience of, mm, of pleasure. Right. Yes, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is so interesting. Okay. So let's talk about addiction then let's take this one step further because this is kind of a controversial subject. And some people are adamant that food addiction, especially sugar addiction is a real thing. And others say that it's total bunk. So (laughs) can you set the record straight for us around food addiction, sugar addiction? Yes. I mean, ultimately with where the research lies right now, sugar addiction, food addiction does not it doesn't add up in the research, right? Um, when you think about it, I mean, some of the quote unquote best studies that, you know, the people that are convinced sugar addiction is real are with like rats who they deprived of mm-hmm. sugar <laughs> and then gave them a bunch of sugar and then they went crazy on sugar. And it's like, oh my gosh, they're acting, they're picking sugar over cocaine or right. Like it's like they're, it's, they're acting so chaotic around this, but of course, the rats or you are going to be insanely crazily driven towards sugar, which is a basic human need. I mean, again, like sugar is safety to your brain and central nervous system. It's the main source of energy for your brain and central nervous system. So when you are deprived, it feels like life or death. It is survival Mm -hmm. and you're going to be driven chaotically to it. So does it mirror and look like addiction from the outside? Sure. And certainly if to somebody that's experiencing it and feeling like they're addicted to sugar, it, it feels absolutely mm-hmm. like that, but it's not that. And it's important to distinguish that because if it was sugar addiction, if food was addictive, then the solution would be abstinence. Uh-huh. But in this scenario, the, the issue is deprivation and restriction and not getting enough or feeling like you're not getting enough and abstinence would just make that worse. And that's what we see. Right. And, but people think it's their fault. They think they're addicted to sugar. They think they can't handle it and they're so chaotic around it. So they restrict it like with greater and greater scrutiny, the more times that they feel like they failed. And then, yeah, they, because they keep falling off the wagon, so to speak, they think it's their fault and they need tighter control and tighter control, but it never works. Where in, in true, like alcohol and drug addiction recovery, as far as I know, anyways, the longer you, stay away from that substance, the easier it becomes to stay away from it. Right. Right, Exactly. And that's not the case here. I mean, it's like, you're going to keep being, being driven back. And I think it's so difficult for folks because they say, say they start, you know, abstaining quote unquote, and restricting sugar. 
they probably are going to feel a lot better compared mm-hmm. to their like binging sugary things. And they're like, okay, yeah. this is good. And to, to abstain and to restrict and like, and then I fall off the wagon and that's because I messed up and you know, whatever, I need to go back to my restricting where I feel good. And they think that the only way to feel good is to be restricting it because all they know of not restricting it is chaos. Mm-hmm. But the alternative is, feeling peaceful and neutral around sugar and allowing full permission and getting to the other side of the chaos. And then you're going to feel good too. You're just going to be, you know, incorporating it. Right. Right. Won't be so much like ping ponging back and forth between restriction and binging. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So can you give us some steps then for the person who wants to feel more peaceful around sugar and wants to be able to enjoy it without all the chaotic feelings and all the fear? How do they start? Yeah. So my first thought is my negative one thought is if you're able to kind of, you know, work with an intuitive eating coach of some kind, I mean, that's always going to be really helpful and supportive to kind of Mm -hmm. guide this, but Actual thing number one is eat enough consistently throughout the day Mm -hmm. because yeah, the second piece I'm going to get to, of course, is going to be like, let's incorporate these sugary things that you've been, you know, restricting because restriction is the problem. But if we're not step one, eating enough consistently throughout the day, we're creating a situation where our body is going to feel deprived and that's going to feed that chaotic feeling around sugar. Even Mm -hmm. if you're kind of allowing whatever you, you know, allowing yourself to eat whatever sugary things you want and kind of Mm -hmm. taking that restriction out of the the question. Right. It's like you said at the beginning, if, if you're feeling deprived overall, you're going to go for the quickest source of energy, right. Which is the easily digested carbohydrates or the candy or the sugar. right? Exactly. And I think that it's important to note that like it doesn't necessarily mean it's not so simple, especially in the beginning as like eat when you're hungry, because sometimes we're really disconnected from those cues. Sometimes our bodies aren't giving us those cues because we've been in a weird pattern of eating. So we wake up in the morning, we're not hungry, we're just having our coffee and that kind of suppresses your appetite. You don't realize it. So just know that like, even if the hunger is not present, we still need that consistent intake throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's going to be like step number one to really build a foundation that will allow you to feel more neutral around sugary things. Mm -hmm. And then step number two would be, my recommendation would be pick one, you know, thing that you have a kind of forbidden fruit mentality around, get, get as specific as you can, you know, very, very sour patch kids or whatever. Um, and you know, work on abundance. I mean, again, the problem and the thing that is leading to the chaos and the feeling of addictive addiction around sugar is the deprivation and the restriction. So we heal that with abundance, right? You know, it's, it's that, scarcity that leads to those things. So we heal that with having an abundant amount all the time. So it's in the house. It's readily available. You can grab it whenever you feel like it, have as much as you want to satiate your craving. Yes. And I love telling clients, like depending on where they're at, but if they're, if they're on board, like keep it on your desk, like have it within visual sight. Like let's not put it in the pantry behind the whatever. So you're just in case, you know, we want to go into it with this, like the more the better mindset, even to the point where I talk to a lot of clients about like, Hey, let's intentionally incorporate these sour patch kids into your morning snack, along with like whatever else you're having, or along with your lunch, even if originally you wouldn't have thought to let's Mm -hmm. just bring this food into like different scenarios outside of the scenarios of like the mid afternoon time where you feel like you're binging or the Uh, nighttime in front of Netflix. 
feeling like you're binging, let's intentionally incorporate it in different scenarios to kind of really help take the power away. I really like that advice because then you can engage with the food in a really neutral and mindful way, as opposed to when you're feeling triggered. Exactly. Mm. Cause it's like, they'll say to me, they're like, well, I don't even really want it at 10 AM. Why am I going to have it with my morning snack when I'm not feeling the, you know, feeling compelled to do it, but it's exactly that let's, let's have these other experiences with this food that don't feel that, you know, don't feel chaotic. Amazing. Okay. Well, this has been a really great conversation. I mean, I learned a lot too. I'm going to (laughs) incorporate some of those tips myself, but thank you very much for clearing up all of that misconception around the, the big hairy monster that people think that sugar is. Yes. I think this is such an important conversation. It's, you know, yeah, it's on so many people's minds. So I'm glad we were able to talk about it. Yeah, for sure. So before we sign off for today, I want to ask you my signature question that I ask all my guests, which is what does joyful movement mean to you, Kirsten? Yes. I mean, when I think of joyful movement, I think of movement that I don't even think of as intentionally like engaging in movement. I think of it as like playful. Mm-hmm. I grew up playing tennis competitively, but really like, it was just like a fun thing. I really enjoyed. And it, you know, it was, it's a game. Um, and actually just yesterday I played pickleball with a friend and I'm just like having a blast with that. It's so fun. So it's like, I think of joyful movement as like stuff that I don't even consider. Um, I'm definitely not thinking of it as quote unquote exercise or like intentional movement. Um, but the other thing I think of is like movement that aligns with my values and like what I find to be supportive. So even if it's not always like the most playful in a game, it's something that really feels aligned with, you know, yeah, what I value and what I'm looking for. Oh, that's great. Those are two really great perspectives, right? Like having fun and playing. And I mean, I've tried pickleball a couple of times. And it is, <laughs> it is a hoot. It is a good time. It is right? so fun. Yes. <laughs> and a little also... easier than running around a tennis court for me these days. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little, little smaller ground to cover. Yes. But then it's also knowing that sometimes you we just don't have the ability or the time or for whatever reason to get out there and play. So we can like make choices that are in our best interests and like it, you know, it doesn't have to fit in the exercise box, but it's still benefiting us. So yes, definitely. It's taken me a long time to get, you know, get to that place and that mindset with movement. So I'm really grateful for it. I love that. Well, before we sign off today, can you tell our listeners where they can connect with you? Because I know that they're going to want to stay in touch. Yes. So I'm on Instagram at the intuitive underscore RD. That is where I spend most of my time. I also have a podcast called intuitive bites podcast, and I have a free 45 minute video piece with food training, which is in the link in my bio on Instagram. So you can get that right to your inbox. If you go over and click that link. Amazing. Well, thank you for sharing that with our listeners. Of course. Yeah, this has been a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on here today, Kirsten. Yes. Thank you, Kim. All right, guys, that's a wrap on episode 112. Thanks again for listening into this interview I did with Kim Hagel. And yeah, I'll be back for another episode next week. Talk to you guys soon.